This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle of Fantasy Labs and Rotoviz. Welcome to the November 17th, I guess November 18th, 2017 NASCAR edition of On the Daily. I'm joined by Dr. Nick Giffen, an editor at Rotoviz, a PhD in mathematics, a three time qualifier for the DraftKings NASCAR main event, and one of the best NASCAR DFS players in the world. You can follow him on Twitter at Rotodoc. Nick, how's it going? Hey, Matt. Doing well. Uh, last race of the year. I can't believe we've made it through another year. I think that uh, brings us to like two and a third completed years because obviously uh, we started in the what was then called the chase two years ago in 2015. Uh, and then we did all last year and all this year. So congrats on another uh, season complete. Yeah, I guess if uh, we were going... Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Going through a race and there were like the sections, we would have completed like two and a third sections or something like that. It would be about time for us to, to stop and, you know, like pit up or something. Exactly. So it was just a pit stop until next year. I mean... February is right around the corner. <laughs> it really is. Uh, okay. So this weekend, as you mentioned, NASCAR heads to Homestead Miami Speedway for the season finale. So before we get to that, let's uh, do a quick recap of the last two weeks. Starting with Texas two weeks ago, Kevin Harvick won the race and Martin Truex Jr. also locked up a spot in the championship four on points. So uh, like Harvick and Truex, you also had a great weekend at Texas putting two second-place lineups together and the $120,000 NASCAR Beast GPP with two other lineups taking 11th. What was your strategy at Texas? Yeah, so uh, I actually had four second-place lineups going into the last lap, and uh, somebody must have gotten past. And so, you know, it ended up being, I think it was like a tie from second to 10th. So I really had two of the top three lineups. And, and when I say two second place lineups, uh, I had the same lineup and I just repeated it. And that, that was kind of my strategy. Uh, Texas was so chalky because if you guys remember, that was the race where Chase Elliott went to the back, Joey Logano, um, Trevor Bain, you know, that, that beast guy, Trevor Bain. Uh, a lot of drivers started in the back and so it made it really chalky. And then of course you want to get some dominators and there were also a lot of very chalky dominator choices between Harvick, Truex, maybe a Kyle Busch, maybe a Hamlin. So I literally, I played 60 lineups total. There was 150 lineups you could enter. I entered 150 times, but I played 60 lineups um, and uh, I entered 
uh, 60 of them, or sorry, I should say, uh, you know, if you double 60, that's 120. So I entered every lineup at least twice. And then 30 of the lineups I entered three times to get to 150. So I kind of just, uh, went super chalky. I played all the different chalky combinations and that got me about 40, 45 lineups of really, really chalk, uh, between the combination of the drivers starting in the back. Um, and then the combination of potential dominators. And we also had those, uh, two guys, uh, starting way in the back those three drivers, LaJoy, uh, Sorensen and, and Galding, who also were, were pretty chalky. And then um, so made like 40, 45 extremely chalky lineups in the last 15 to 20. Uh, I swapped out one driver among all the chalk and kind of put in one kind of contrarian play, whether it's Almarola or or uh, Almondinger or somebody like that, you know. And uh, so it ended up being my Almarola lineup um, ended up taking second place and had a chance at first place going into the last lap or so, but I needed to a pass. Uh, I think I needed, maybe I needed, uh, I can't remember which pass I needed, but you know, very good day. And, uh, really just when you have, we, we found it every single time this year, we have multiple drivers move into the back for, uh, because they didn't take a qualifying lap. The super chalky lineups do really well. So, um, you know, it's a strategy I've been looking at all year and I decided just instead of making 150, I'm just going to make 60 chalky ones or, or at least 40, 45 chalky ones. And then only a, a small amount of lineups with one contrarian play. So that was my strategy at Texas. Worked out, and uh, after Texas, we were down to one driver left to make the final four. So it really came down to that last spot between um, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Jimmy Johnson, and Brad Keselowski. And and then they battled it out at Phoenix. Yes. So let's talk about Phoenix. Uh, Mayhem ensued at Phoenix as Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin got together. So Elliott had revenge on Hamlin cutting his tire down and sending Hamlin into the wall is payback for a reverse incident three weeks ago at Martinsville, ruining Hamlin's shot and making the championship four. Elliott went on to take the lead for Matt Kenseth, but Kenseth reclaimed the lead with a handful of laps to go to prevent Elliott from grabbing a spot in the final four. And then that gave Brad Kozlowski uh, the final spot as the driver to advance. So talk to us about Phoenix and uh, the four drivers that we have remaining. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was a wild race. And, you know, I, I kind of warned people on, uh, on my article in my article, I should say that uh, I, I liked Denny Hamlin as a GPP play because he certainly had the chance to dominate and I thought he would, but I really didn't like him that much as a cash game play because I was worried about the retaliation from Chase Elliott. So kind of played out that way. Hamlin dominated a bunch of the race and got wrecked at the end. Only ended up putting up around like 49 DraftKings points because of the wreck. But, uh, you know, the 49 was good enough to actually be in the winning GPP lineup. So I think he was okay in cash games as well. But, uh, yeah, certainly an interesting race. And then Elliott grabbed the lead from uh, Kenseth on a restart after that incident. Uh, Thought he was going to hold him off, but then Kenseth was too strong. And Kenseth gets his first win of the year uh, in his second-to-last race of the season. And, of course, the news... Broke a couple weeks ago that Matt Kenseth, this will be his last season as a full-time driver. So it was great to see him get a win in his final season. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, that meant with Ch- Chase Elliott needing to win and get in, he didn't get in. Hamlin had to uh, at least beat Brad Keselowski on the track. Uh, and since he didn't beat Keselowski, he didn't get in. So Jimmy Johnson had, a, I think, a brake issue and, and hit the wall. So Brad Keselowski was really the only one. I guess Blaney was unscathed too, but he was so far behind Keselowski in points. Uh, that Brad Keselowski is the final four. And two weeks ago, you asked me who I thought would be the final four. It's the exact four we have. Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, and Brad Keselowski. 
Awesome. So as we talked about this weekend uh, is the final race of the year and a champion will be crowned at Homestead Miami Speedway on Sunday. Before we dive into the DFS side of things, break down each of the four drivers chances at winning the title. Yeah, uh, this is I think this is a super exciting final four because I think this is probably the best final four we've had of any of the years they've done this. Um, You know, the very first year. Ryan Newman made it in, and he had no wins all year. He just kind of consistently pointed his way into the Final Four, and uh, he actually ended up almost winning it the final race of the year at Homestead and taking the championship, but Harvick nipped him there at the end. Uh, And then last year, you know, I think um, with Logano, Edwards, and Jimmy Johnson, it was a strong Final Four, but I don't think they were the best throughout the year. Jimmy Johnson definitely lulled throughout the summer months, but, of course, he ended up winning the championship anyway because of mayhem at at Homestead. So... uh, I think this year is probably the strongest Final Four we've had. The only way I think it could have been stronger is if Keselowski was out and Larson was in, especially because it's a great track for Larson. But handicapping, kind of handicapping here, the Final Four drivers, I think Kyle Busch is the favorite to win for me. Uh, He's just been, I think, a little bit better at these steep tracks, a little more aggressive, um, and he has a stronger history here at Homestead than Martin Truex Jr. does. That said, I think you have to put Truex in second um, even though Harvick has dominated at Homestead each of the last three years, still think you have to give the edge to Truex. Starts a little further forward, has just been the better car all year by uh, a good amount. And so I think you just need to give the edge to to Truex over, over Harvick. But I really think the top three are pretty close. And I think Harvick is actually close here because of, as I mentioned, he's at least led uh, 15% of the laps in each of the last three Homestead races, including one where he absolutely just uh, dominated. So he led 30% of the laps last year. Uh, he led 17% of the laps two years ago. Or Sorry, he didn't absolutely dominate any of these, but then 20% three years ago. So each of the last three years, he's led approximately 20 to 30% of the laps. So, um, you know, I like him to have a strong race car, but... Uh, not quite as good as Truex, in my opinion, just overall how they've done this year. Of course, that means bringing up the rear is Brad Keselowski. And uh, he, while he did qualify fifth, he has struggled on the steep tracks this year and uh, has been the worst of the four drivers, I think, uh, in the second half of the year. So that's how I'm handicapping. And I think Kyle Busch is the favorite with Truex next and then Harvick. But doesn't mean it'll end that way. Okay. So it's... Uh... You know, the final racing episode of the year. So we have the opportunity to talk about some uh, significant events uh, that will impact the racing we see next year. So this is going to be the last race as a full time driver for three pretty popular drivers and Dale Jr., Matt Kenseth, and then just announced today, Danica Patrick. Can you talk about each of the drivers and uh, what they have meant to NASCAR? Yeah, certainly, and and we'll definitely start with Dale Jr. because he is NASCAR's, I can't remember how many time running, most popular driver, but uh, when when the sport lost his dad in 2001 after that accident at Daytona, he became the default popular driver, and uh, he really, really took it, you know, and ran with it, um, drove away with it, I guess you could say, but uh, he he's just been an awesome ambassador for the sport, just a nice guy. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't spout a bunch of negativity. He's a really positive driver, tells it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat things, but, uh, you know, he's also, like I said, not a mean guy by any means. He's one of the nicest drivers you'll ever see. Uh, a lot of important wins, some Daytona 500 wins, and uh, is driven for some of the best teams in NASCAR, first driving for his dad's team, then uh, moving over to Hendrick Motorsports and making that number 88 famous there. Uh, so 
just absolutely will go down as a legend of the sport, even though he never won a championship. Um, it, you know, he, he did win multiple Daytona 500s, which is the biggest race of the year for NASCAR. So that plus his status as a most popular driver many, many times running, uh, plus the fact that he'll be going into the booth and doing some work and TV, no doubt he'll get elected to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And, and that's why it's called the Hall of Fame. It's not just about performance, it's about fame. And uh, Dale Jr., most famous driver in NASCAR. Moving over to Matt Kenseth. Oh, I should say, um, obviously, Dale Jr. will be replaced in that 88 by Alex Bowman next year. And we saw Alex Bowman last year when he filled in for Dale Jr. when, when Dale had those concussions. I think that's another part of Dale Jr.'s legacy is uh, really making concussion awareness a big thing in NASCAR. He's going to donate his brain to science after he passes uh, hopefully many, many years down the road. But uh, yeah, I think um, another just uh, another feather in the cap for Dale Jr. there in terms of uh, promoting concussion awareness. Matt Kenseth, uh, he, he will not be returning as a full-time driver as well. So he, he announced a couple weeks ago he'll be stepping away, uh, obviously vacating that number 20 ride there at Joe Gibbs Racing. Eric Jones, young Eric Jones, who uh, was Martin Truex Jr.'s teammate this year, will be filling in uh, for Matt Kenseth in that 20 car. Uh, we knew that for a while. We just didn't know if Matt Kenseth was going to end up landing with another team and racing again next year, but he did not. Matt Kenseth was the essentially the impetus for the chase or the NASCAR playoffs because the year he won his title, he only won one race and he kind of almost did like Ryan Newman did, as I was explaining earlier, just kind of pointed and pointed and pointed his way to a title. Uh, and, and he only won that one race. You know, he won it with, I think he had the title with three or th- two or three races to go and uh, really just made a laughing stock of, of that point system that year just because he, he ran away with it. He was so consistent, so good, but never dominant. And so uh, to bring more excitement to NASCAR uh, and, and to not have a situation where the championship really didn't come down until the final race, NASCAR introduced the chase. And they've, they've, then, of course, this year call it the playoffs, but there have been many iterations of the chase. started with 10 drivers, then 12 drivers, and then we did the 16-driver format with the eliminations. So a bunch of different formats, but Matt Kenseth, the reason uh, we have the chase today or the playoffs today. And uh, just a, a, another guy who's just um, you know one of the elder statesmen and has always been a good guy, although... You know, he did have a little spice to him as well. I remember him getting in a bit of a scuffle with Brad Keselowski. Obviously, the payback on Joey Logano introduced some new NASCAR rules there, as we remember from uh, two years ago. So uh, certainly a guy who will be remembered as well. And, and he and Dale Jr., it's, it's great. They, they came up through the what was then the Bush Series together. It's, today, it's the uh, Xfinity Series. Um, and, uh, but they came through you know, the, the, the minor leagues together, went to NASCAR as rookies in the same year. And uh, now they go out together. So that's really cool to see. And then finally, Danica Patrick. uh, It was, again, just announced today uh, that she will not be uh, racing full-time next year. Uh, So she vacates the number 10 car at Stuart Haas Racing. Eric Almarola will take her place there in the number 10 car. But Danica Patrick did announce she will be fielding an entry in next year's Daytona 500. And she will be uh, racing in next year's Indy 500. So she's going to do the... Two biggest races in all of North American motorsports, the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500, returning to her open wheel roots next year. 
Uh, hasn't been announced with which team, but my personal speculation is she'll be racing with Ganassi in both of those races. That's my best guess. Uh, it really, I really think Ganassi is a fit for her in IndyCar, and uh, it would make sense that if they're going to announce that for IndyCar, why not run with Ganassi as well? So teammate to Kyle Larson, Jamie McMurray next year in the Daytona 500. She'd have a real shot to win both of those races, uh, and that would be a cool way for her to go out in her career is just to race the two biggest races in motorsports and maybe have a chance at winning one or both. Um, and, and she can. She, she absolutely has led laps at Daytona before. She's led the Indy 500 before. Uh, you know, I think she'll have no problem getting back into an Indy car. And obviously, when we talk about, you know, the gender barrier, she didn't break the gender barrier. There have been females who have raced in NASCAR and Indy car before, but she's clearly the biggest name and the best name to have done so. Uh, the first female to win a race in Indy car in a, in a major you know, uh, oh, I should say a major auto racing uh, sport, you know, circuit auto racing sport, uh, not talking um, like drag racing. So just a, a, another big popular name lost, but uh, hopefully she paves the way for more women to race in the future. So three big names, uh, going to be a pretty intense final with the, the championship and these three names going out in their last full-time race. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right, let's talk about some DFS. Homestead is a one and a half mile steeply banked true oval with variable banking in the corners. Uh, talk about racing at Homestead and what we should expect to see on Sunday. Yeah, so let's, let's get into this DFS here because uh, last race of the year, um, Homestead is a, a fun track. I like the racing there because you can see side-by-side -side racing because of that variable banking. So it's more banked at the top than it is at the bottom. And Homestead was really the one that kind of pioneered this variable banking. Um, they used to be a flat track, like a mini Indianapolis Motor Speedway back in the day. It used to be a 1.5-mile version of, of Indy with the four corners, the flat track. Then they turned it into a flat oval after there were some uh, scary incidents because of, of the way it was set up there. Uh, including the death of a, of a driver in the truck series. So uh, they turned it into what's called a true oval, which is the 180-degree turns at each end, but it was a flat true oval. Then uh, they finally reconfigured it to do this variable banking and made it a steeply banked track. So uh, we get a lot of passing here. Uh, I remember the year Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart were fighting for the title, and they were literally tied going into the last race, and uh, whoever finished ahead of the other was going to win the title. Well, Tony Stewart had to start in the back, made his way to the front, uh, got shuffled all the way to the back again with a pit problem, got all the way to the front, got all the way back again with uh, something else. I can't remember what it was and came all the way back to the front. I think he passed 170 something cars that day. So you can definitely pass at Homestead. And I think we're going to see a lot of passing, a lot of side-by-side -side racing, and that will make for an exciting championship. We get a lot of 
uh, we can get a lot of incidents here. I mean, the one last year, the big, big championship impacting uh, incident last year was the one between Carl Edwards and Joey Logano on a restart. Edwards tried to dive the bottom. Logano tried to block a little bit, or I can't remember. It might have been the other way around, but it was one of the two. Uh, I think it might have been Edwards blocking Logano to dive bomb. I can't remember, but uh, they, they got together, both hit the wall, kind of ruined their days. Um, and uh, that allowed Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy Johnson was kind of just floundering all day. Uh, allowed them to catch up to the field, especially Johnson, and uh, he had better tires and passed Kyle Busch, ended up winning the race and uh, winning the championship. So just many crazy things can happen at Homestead. Uh, I definitely don't think we'll uh, have any shortage of cautions. I think the last you know, couple of years there have been cautions late in the race. Uh, I remember the year Kevin Harvick beat Ryan Newman. There was a late restart, and Newman jumped out to lead on the restart, but Harvick eventually passed him. So uh, just a ton of things that can happen, and uh, it's going to be an exciting race, and, and that's how Homestead usually is, man. A lot of passing, a lot of excitement, some major crashes sometimes, and uh, we might not know who the championship winner is until a, a very late restart. Okay, so you mentioned the ability to pass and uh, how it's related to the variable banking. Because passing is so common at Homestead, what does a stat like quality pass percentage mean? Is it uh, stronger or uh, weaker in, term, in terms of its correlation with finishing position? Yeah, it's a, it's a question I kind of was looking at these past few weeks. And, um, uh, you know, what I've kind of found is tracks where it's a little bit easier to pass. Uh, the quality pass percentage actually gets de-weighted because... It is easy to pass. Um, it's not difficult. Whereas when it's difficult to pass, the fact that you are able to uh, pass better makes it more important because track position becomes more important. It makes it means you can pass when it's harder to pass while other people can't. So you're going forward and other people aren't. Whereas when it's easier to pass, it really comes down to how good the car is and how good a driver is at a particular track. So we more emphasize things like track rating or, or at least track type rating, um, driver rating, for example. So uh, we, we actually de-emphasize quality pass percentage. That said, there is a strong correlation between driver rating and quality pass percentage, uh, obviously, just because if you're a better driver, you're also probably going to be better at passing. Or if you have a better car, it's going to be easier to pass with. But uh, there is more correlation at harder to pass at tracks between quality pass percentage and finishing position than it easier to pass at tracks. And that's where the little bit of the, like I said, there's a strong correlation between driver rating and quality pass percentage, but it kind of diverges uh, at these these harder to pass at tracks. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's, it's a pretty interesting distinction there because many times you can use driver rating and quality pass percentage interchangeably, but if these easy to pass at tracks, not quite as much. So uh, we're, we're going to be de-emphasizing quality pass percentage this weekend and focusing more on certain kinds of driver ratings. Okay, so if you are de-emphasizing passing percentage, uh, what are the stats that you are emphasizing or the stats that correlate more precisely with finishing position? Yeah, so this weekend the model likes uh, a few different stats. First and foremost is uh, steep track driver rating. So you still need to be good at the steep tracks. Uh, it's different style of racing than the flat tracks. You know, momentum carries you, especially with this variable banking. So uh Definitely steep track driver rating, a highly important one. That's why you see guys like Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, you know, uh, Kevin Harvick consistently able to attack this track at Homestead. Um, it's, it's, it's a track that sets up really well just for, for drivers that like to attack the track. And, and of course, as I mentioned, Kevin Harvick, one of those drivers, um, and, and Kyle Busch as well. You know, he dominated 15% of the race last year. So uh, I, I definitely think um, 
you know, it, it, steep track it makes a lot of sense, and and that's the number one thing in the model. The number two thing in the model actually is one and a half mile uh, uh, driver rating as well. So how good have you been at the mile and a half? Now this is not as heavily emphasized as steep tracks. So yes, that's where the, the I give kind of give that bump to Martin Truex Jr. And, and push him a little bit of Kevin Harvick ahead of Kevin Harvick in my handicapping there because. Uh, He's been so damn good at the mile and a half this year. Now, obviously, uh, Kevin Harvick did win the last mile and a half race at Texas, but this is a bit of a different mile and a half. It's unlike all of the other mile and a halves, which are either tri-ovals or quad-ovals, uh, which have those you know those kinks in the, on the front straightaway and the, the turns one and two and turns three and four are not 180 degrees. This one is just one and two is 180 degrees and three and four is 180 degrees and no kink on any straightaway or anything like that. So it's a different kind of mile and a half oval. So it is de-emphasized in uh, what we would expect and the model actually recognizes it as well as not as strong as driver rating at the steep tracks. So number one, very much steep tracks. Number two uh, is is one and a half mile. And then number three, you can just kind of take driver rating this year. And that also gives uh, you know, Truex a little bit of a boost over Kevin Harvick. And if you want to maybe not say this year, uh, also the last 15 actually is more significant than the whole year. So, uh, you know, they're very highly correlated, but I like to, at this race, look at the last 15 instead of the whole year. So driver rating over the last 15 non-restrictor plate races. Um, that's kind of what I... I do for for Homestead and when what the model likes as well. So uh, those three things, all driver ratings, really make a lot of sense. Um, fastest laps are are important in terms of predicting finishing position as well. Um, you know, drivers that are fast here, like I said, they like to attack the track. They also tend to to, to dominate, but they also tend to finish well outside of you know when there are crashes. But you can't predict those. So. Um, fastest laps as well at the steep tracks is is another stat that I'd like to look at here, and that shows up as significant in the model. One thing that's interesting is not significant is starting position. Um, practice is also significant, but uh, it it actually is is not super correlated because I do think we get a lot of of mayhem here, and what which you know really does jumble up the finishing order. I wouldn't say a lot of mayhem, but we do get a lot of late restarts, and, and late restarts can jumble up the finishing order. So practice speeds are significant but down there on the totem pole interesting uh really interesting in that starting position is not significant uh you mentioned the model and the factors that are weighted in it how predictive is the model for finishing position yeah so this one is a another track that's kind of uh predictive but not like super predictive um, we see that at some of the mile and a halfs, you know, they, it, depending a lot on like tire wear or or how the races go, they can either be really predictive or on the non-predictive side like Atlanta and, and really predictive kind of like Charlotte. But uh, Homestead falls in the middle, a little bit below the middle here, just because I, I really think these late restarts uh, jumble up the finishing order and uh, create a lot of unpredictability. So the model uh, gives an R squared of about 0.5455 right in that neighborhood. So it's slightly below average and 0.58 is about median uh, average because we get a lot of those mile and a half or, or tracks like Phoenix last week or uh, some of these other ones that do pretty well. So this is on the lower um, portion of the middle of predictability here at Homestead this weekend. Okay, so because Sunday's race is only 400 miles, that means we have 267 laps. The first two stages are each 80 laps in length. This is the first time NASCAR will have stage racing at Homestead. So how do you think the stages are going to impact the strategies that we see? Yeah, so with 80 laps, that means we're doing 120 miles per stage for the first two stages. Uh, that's more than a fuel window. So everybody will need to pit 
before the stage ends. And it's just a matter of when do you pit? Do you pit at the beginning of your fuel window to get you to the, you know, right at the end of the, the stage, you know, when 80 laps are complete, everybody's going to be coming in to pit anyway. So if you need to, if, you know, if, if the fuel window is 55 laps, then that means you could theoretically pit as early as lap 25 and make it all the way to lap 80, which is 55 laps later. So we could see people pitting early. We could see people pitting pretty late into the window, which is more what I think we'll see uh, anywhere from about halfway into the stage 40 to 55 is what I think we'll see. I think we'll see a couple different strategies in there. I don't think it'll be as much the early side because if you get that lap down, uh, you don't really want to do that. So I think we'll probably see people either split the stage in half or just kind of try to run it to uh, most of the way. Now, when people do start pitting at lap 40 or 42 or whatever, there will be some tire wear. So those drivers will have a benefit in time by at least a second, maybe two or three seconds, depending on how much wear we end up seeing. And uh, that will encourage other drivers to pit because, you know, let's say Truex is in the lead and Harvick's second and Harvick pits at lap 42. Well, then Harvick's going to be faster than Truex by two to three seconds, you know, one to three seconds per lap until Truex pits, essentially. So, you know, if Harvick pits and he's only two seconds behind Truex when he does, then Truex isn't going to want to wait more than a lap or two to pit because Harvick will have pitted. So it, it kind of sets up the stage, sets up the things to where, you, you know, you're kind of doing what other people are doing. You're keeping an eye on other people, especially for these championship four contenders. So I think they'll probably all be on similar strategies to each other. I think if somebody does diverge, it'll probably be the underdog, Brad Keselowski, on a team, Penske, that likes to gamble, that likes to do things with fuel strategies. So maybe we see him run it dry or something like that, try to go all the way to 55, catch a timely caution and catch these guys out, maybe a lap down or, or at least catch him on the tail end of the lead lap. He can come in and pit under yellow, maybe gets to skip a pit at uh, the segment. I don't know. There's, there's so many ways this could play out. It also depends on the timing of the yellows, but I think we'll see some strategy. I don't think we'll see strategy uh, be too different between at least Bush, Truex, and Harvick, maybe all four. But I really think those three will probably be in lockstep in strategy. And then Keselowski might be kind of the wild card in strategy. As far as the rest of the drivers, I do think we'll see uh, just a bunch of different strategies. I know Eric Jones has liked to stretch it out a couple times this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of, uh, you know, pits at the end of the fuel window. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely see a bunch of different strategies and on how these segments play out, I'm pretty sure. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hey, sports fans. Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. 
MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. How many dominators do we normally see at Homestead? And uh, with the stages, do you think that we're going to see more or fewer dominators? Yeah, so Homestead, because of all the passing, because of the late restarts, um, just because of the nature of the racing here, we actually see uh, usually three and sometimes even four dominators. Uh, so, you know, 2014, we had three dominators, Jeff Gordon, 60%, Hamlin and Harvick, about 20%. Uh, 2015, we had four guys lead at least 15% of the laps, but nobody over 32% of the laps. Uh, and then last year we had Harv- or sorry, Larson at 50, Harvick at 30, and, and Carl Edwards at around 20, but Jimmy Johnson ended up winning the race. So we get a good mix of dominators, um, and uh, usually it's three, sometimes four uh, the year Tony Stewart and, and Carl Edwards, it was basically just those two, but they were just a completely different class of the field that year, and that was 2010 or 11, and uh, we're running different cars now. So I think three dominators at minimum, maybe four, and uh, you never know. We could just see kind of with different fuel strategies and, and the stages and things like that, we could see really maybe, I wouldn't say uh, like any guy just really dominate the race. You might get somebody who leads 40, 50% of the race, but I think we still could see something where like in 2015, we have maybe four, even maybe five drivers over 10% of the laps led, but then you're not really even talking like dominators. I mean, 10% of the laps is only 27 laps led. So it's not even really dominance, but I think we could potentially see something where we, you know, we have five drivers from anywhere from like 10 to 35% of the laps led. And really you'd only count two of those as, as like dominators. So we could see a race where we have two dominators, but it's because five guys lead a chunk of the race. So uh, kind of a weird situation here. Um, and so I don't think you need to super emphasize dominators this weekend. You'll, you'll still need, of course, the one or two drivers that probably end up leading the most laps as long as they finish well. But there is going to be an important mix of finishing position, place differential, and uh, dominance this weekend at, at Homestead. And, and don't forget those fastest laps. I mean, those definitely rack up too. And if we look at fastest laps, it's the same thing as the dominators. It correlates very strongly with laps led uh, at Homestead. Um, you know, I mentioned Larson, 50% of the laps led. Well, uh, he had 132 uh, uh, sorry, 52 fastest laps and, and Harvick last year, 24. Carl Edwards, 47 fastest laps. And those guys were the guys that also led laps. So you'll see the drivers that get the fastest laps tend to be the drivers that lead laps as well. Um, but, uh, you know, not always. Larson, for example, two years ago, 56 fastest laps, but only two laps led. So um, uh, the dominator points will be spread out. I mean, they'll definitely be spread out. And uh, I like a mix of all three types of scoring this weekend. Okay. Let's get to the picks, and let's start with cash games. Who do you like there? Yeah, so this is uh, an interesting weekend because um, qualifying, of course, 
just took place, and Denny Hamlin took the pole. But I don't really like him for cash games, and the reason is, starting second, Martin Truex Jr. Starting third, Kyle Busch. So right there already, you've got a couple drivers who uh, are favorites to win this race and uh, to, to win the championship. And I think they'll probably, one of those two will end up taking the lead early. And if not, I mean, you've got Matt Kenseth in fourth right there, who's been pretty good at the steep tracks this year. You've got Brad Kozlowski in fifth, who's a championship contender. Hasn't been great at the steep tracks, but uh, I definitely don't like Danny Hamlin and Cash. I think you should either go with Martin Truex Jr. or Kyle Busch. Probably look at practice and really figure out how these guys are doing. Not just speeds, but also just how comfortable they are with their car, what they say about their cars. Uh, I think that's going to be pretty important to, to make sure you understand how these drivers are doing over the longer run. Um, not just in terms of 10 lap, but what, like, like I said, what they comment on about their car. So it's going to be probably one of those two for me, maybe both, they're, but they're really pricey. Truex is uh, 11-1 and Kyle Busch is 10-5. So you, you definitely can fit them in, both of them in in cash games, but you might have to just pick one of them um, because I also kind of like getting Kevin Harvick in there who starts ninth in cash games and uh, Kyle Larson in seventh, right? So I think we got to really understand practice speeds between those four drivers, Truex, Kyle Busch, Larson, and Harvick, and that'll really give us an idea of which two of those drivers, maybe maybe three if you can uh, fit it in in terms of price, you go within cash games and really raise your floor with those dominator points. If you choose to go with a different expensive driver in cash games, Jimmy Johnson does start 22nd. We always like playing him when he starts back there. Uh, as far as cheaper drivers go, um, Casey Kane starts 27th. I think he's in cash game consideration. Uh, another driver, Ty Dillon, has actually been very good at the steep tracks this year. He has the 20th best driver rating, and he starts 32nd. So 20th best driver rating, I should say, at the steep tracks this year. So uh, Ty Dillon, I really like him in cash games. I think he's a very strong cash game play. Gives you some salary relief at 6,900. Uh, and then you'll probably need to go into the Joe Dirt cheap tier. So we'll talk about a, a Joe Dirt cheap driver for, for cash as well. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're playing both Truex and Kyle Busch, for example, or even maybe if you're playing one of them. Okay. GPPs, who do you got? Got a couple of interesting names here. Um, I mentioned Eric Jones. I really like him. He has the fourth best driver rating at steep tracks this year. Uh, and also have been very good at the mile and a half. So uh, I think Eric Jones is is a name we want to use a lot of this weekend. Very big upside. Uh, he's been a boomer bust type driver and he starts 14th. So there's some place differential available. He could finish in the top five because he, you know, he definitely has a, a top five type car this year at the steep tracks. And uh, I think he's a very interesting name there. I think a lot of people will pick Chase Elliott starting in 18th. And I totally think that's fine. But I, just for theory purposes, like taking Joey Logano starting in 19th. He's $200 cheaper than Chase Elliott. He starts one spot further back than Chase Elliott. But I think more people will gravitate towards Chase Elliott. If you look at their driver rating on steep tracks this year, though, Joey Logano, this has actually been a place where he's been pretty good. 94.6 driver rating, Chase Elliott 94.3. So Joey Logano has this slight edge on Chase in driver rating this year at steep tracks. And that also... Uh, moves over to average running position. Joey Logano 9.0, Chase Elliott 10.0. Uh, finishes have been in favor of Chase Elliott, but we know they're a little more variable than um, things like driver rating, which is a better predictor of the future. Joey Logano also more laps led and more fastest laps at the steep tracks than Chase Elliott this year. So if you want to get potentially a few dominator points here or there, um, I like Joey Logano kind of as a, a GPP play this weekend. Finally, um, you know, I think uh, it's it's pretty slim pickings when you get beyond Jimmy Johnson starting in 22nd, but there is this one name starting there in 24th who uh, hasn't maybe had the best uh, 
you know, results at Homestead, but certainly he was fast in, in qualifying and just missed out on, um, or, or sorry, he was uh, fast in qualifying, but he has to start at the rear of the field. And so I think people could be off of him. And that driver is none other than Dale Earnhardt Jr. Starts 24th. He'll start at the rear of the field due to a, a engine change, I believe it was. And so um, Dale Jr., he's going to be just fine. It's a long enough race. There's stages involved. Uh, you know, fans will be on his side. He'll, he'll definitely want to make a mark in his last race as a full-time driver. And uh, he has had good results at steep tracks in years past, just not Homestead. But if you if you take more like the um, the overall steep track picture in the past few years, he's been very good at Bristol. Michigan is a track which kind of races like a steep track he's been very good at. Uh, so I don't mind Dale Earnhardt Jr. in a GPP this weekend, but... Um, yeah, I think Joey Logano and, and Eric Jones are kind of my favorite GPP plays. Okay, you teased a little bit earlier having a special Joder cheap driver. Who is it? Yeah, and uh, I think there's there's three Joder cheap drivers. The cash game one I really like is David Reagan. Um, he starts 30th. He has the best driver rating among the Joder cheap tier this year, uh, and which is surprising because he's more always been kind of like a flat track driver, sometimes road courses and and occasionally, you know, the super speedway win that he's he's had uh, in the restrictor plates. But he's been better than uh, Landon Castle, better than Matt Benedetto, better than uh, some of these other drivers at steep tracks this year in the Joder cheap tier. So I like David Reagan starting starting in 30th. Um, but the other two drivers that I mentioned, Landon Castle, Matt Benedetto, I like in GPPs as well. Castle, um, a little bit worse in driver rating than David Reagan, but uh, you know I think he's he's totally fine. He, you get a price discount with him, and he starts two spots further forward than his teammate. Um, so I don't mind him in a GPP. I also don't mind Matt Benedetto in a GPP. He's great at the steep tracks, but it tends more to be like Bristol, which really boosts his steep track rating. Um, the mile and a half haven't been super kind to him, so um, I I don't mind him. Certainly, I think he can stick around and, and maybe uh, hang around in the lead lap if we get enough cautions to... to avoid going laps down uh, we'll definitely have stage cautions so it's just a matter of how many we get at the end of the race for for lucky dogs and wave arounds and things like that so definitely like landon castle david reagan and matty benedetto in in gpps and reagan and cash for sure uh and then you know michael mcdowell is kind of like right on the edge of of somebody i would consider as well he's 5800 i believe it is this weekend um scrolling through here yeah 5800 he starts 23rd which is a little far forward but um, I think, you know, if depending on practice speeds, I wouldn't mind him because I think he actually might have the fastest car this weekend among the Joder cheap tier. We'll have to wait and see how practice shakes out. But that's a name to keep an eye on for practice, at least, uh, Michael McDowell. Okay, so at the beginning of the show, you uh, handicapped the four drivers, although it's kind of different than your pick to win the championship who do you think actually wins the championship? And then I guess maybe like the the order of the the four drivers. Yeah, I mean, I think my head really wants to say Martin Truex Jr. Uh, I think kind of my heart wants to say it too, just because he's such a such a good guy and he deserves a championship. Um, obviously, with his girlfriend having battle cancer and all that, it's a great story as well, especially for a small team like Furniture Row Racing. Now they are, of course, getting assistance from Joe Gibbs Racing, which makes him more of a big team these days. But uh, seeing where Furniture Row Racing came from with Regan Smith and uh, just kind of being a, an, a meh team and getting one win with Regan Smith at the Southern 500, but not really doing much else until... Kurt Busch hopped in the car a few years ago, and then Truex. They've really come a long way. So it'd be a great story. But I have this weird feeling it's going to be Kevin Harvick. Uh, I think 
just because I mentioned he's he's led laps in each of the past three homestead races and I think he could do it again um you know we we definitely could see some battles between Kyle Busch and Truex I don't think they'll uh, give each other an inch if it comes down to crunch time and maybe something happens and Harvick sneaks through or maybe Harvick Harvick is the best car who knows but uh my pick to win the championship will be Kevin Harvick but uh I don't necessarily think it's the wisest pick, to be honest. Um, I'm going to go with Truex second and Kyle Busch third and then uh, Brad Keselowski fourth. But I could easily see you know, Keselowski doing a, a, some kind of a strategy gamble. I could see Busch maybe having a problem as he's been sometimes has happened this year to him. So uh, I, I, I don't think Kyle Busch is, even though he's the favorite, I think, in handicap, he's not my favorite to win the race Uh and win the championship. So I do think whoever wins the championship will also win the race. Interesting. All right. Any final words to close out the show? Yeah. So there will be no road of his live this weekend in terms of a live show. Um, I'm going to answer all your questions though, using the hashtag RV live on Twitter. So just tweet them at me, hashtag RV live, and I'll respond to them. Uh, whenever I, I get across them on my timeline and, um, so it's been an awesome year. We're definitely going to do RV Live again next year. Uh, and Once we start again next year after Daytona, of course, because Daytona, um, we'll, we'll have special shows for that. But uh, we'll get back into the two hours before lineup lock routine, maybe three hours, depending on uh, how things shake out next year. But we'll go back to the old schedule, uh, pre-NFL schedule next year, and uh, we'll try to make Rotovise Live even better next year. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And um, so, uh, you know, just really, really appreciate all the questions we've had this year. And then also, the, uh, we have to talk about the NASCAR playoff contest that we have for you guys, where there'll be some prizes, of course, given away. Uh, didn't have a chance to put together the standings. Those have been under the weather this week. Um, but uh, we'll get those standings updated after the race, of course. And we will announce the winner, and, and of course, second and third place and all that, on our season recap podcast. We've done the season recap podcast each of the past couple of years, and I'm sure we'll find time to do one more recap and uh, get us set up for 2018 as well. Awesome. That is going to do it for this NASCAR edition of On the Daily. For Nick Giffen on Twitter at Rotodoc, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.